This is Balls Don't Lie Podcast. Bro, bro, bro to 16. Keeping you up to date with everything NBA. Inside the bubble. Bro to 16. We keep it real and real short. Welcome everybody to Balls Don't Lie. I am your host, regular Steven. We got hoops to talk about. The Denver Nuggets avoid the dreaded 3-0 hole last night, eking out a victory 114-106. Got close at the end, but we'll talk about that a little bit. And then we're going to talk a little bit of Game 3, Miami and Boston, and look ahead to tonight's Game 4 pivotal game Miami leads that series two to one but before we get to all of that remember to please like share and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts sharing is always appreciated you can also follow the show on twitter at balls don't lie pod that is balls with a z you can also follow my personal account reg steven bdl at reg steven bdl all right cool let's get into the action last night the nuggets Get the victory, like I said, 114-106. Had some guys really stepping up. Thought the Lakers looked really sluggish in this game until the fourth quarter. They were down just 10 at the half, which seemed lucky. It was 63-53 at half. They seemed lucky to be in that position. They, again, kind of made a little bit of a run towards the end of the second half, or towards the end of the second quarter, to kind of get that thing a little closer. But man, the Nuggets looked like they wanted to run away with it a couple of times. And then again, later in the game, you had <laughs> you had the Nuggets up 20 with 10 minutes to play. Again, Lakers go on a 19-2 run, cut that lead down, and then Denver closed it out with a little run of their own. Lakers kind of ran out of steam there. Not a great game for Anthony Davis. 27 points. That looks good. But man, 0-4 from 3. Just the two rebounds. No blocks. One steal. One assist. Not a great line. I mean, you see the 27 points and you think, okay, yeah, he was there. But it just wasn't a normal Anthony Davis game. And this is where we talk about, guys, are you that superstar player? Are you the guy that your team can count on every game? Yes, we love the game-winning three-pointer. We love when he has big... Obviously, it's Anthony Davis. He's probably top seven player in the league, top five, maybe top five. I mean, you, you can easily make that argument. He doesn't have a ton of playoff experience. Obviously, in New Orleans, he only made it to the second round once. His numbers look good career-wise in the playoffs. I believe they were talking about on telecast last night. He's averaging 30 points per game in his playoff career. So the points are there, but last night just seemed like a game where you needed more. You just needed more from him. LeBron, quiet first half, seemed very passive. He did turn it up in the second half, I believe 20 second half points or 22 second half points, something like that. He finished with 30, 10, and 11. That's his 26 playoff triple-double, putting him behind just Magic Johnson, I believe, at 31. Interesting here, the third guy on that list is Jason Kidd with 11. So LeBron and Magic Johnson really setting themselves apart in the playoff triple-double category there. And that's kind of cool. Actually, Jason Kidd is on the Lakers coaching staff. So all of them tied into the Lakers right now. Big game for Jamal Murray. He's proven it. I told you guys on the last episode, I just I need to see more of this in the regular season. But 
I mean, obviously, this is when it matters more. This is when you need to see it. But I was talking in terms of, do I consider him that superstar kind of guy? Do I, do I think of him that way? Throughout the regular season, you hadn't seen this. He's the type of guy who has big games. But then he'll have you know little stretches of a couple games here where he might score 13, or he maybe only drops in you know low teens type of games where he's not consistent with that scoring. It's not it's not something he's doing every day, every game. But he has been absolutely huge in these playoffs, absolutely huge. So he's proven it. If you do this in the playoffs and then you go next year and you get a little more consistent with that high volume scoring now. You're forced to, you know, just accept this guy's a top 10 guy. If he's making that leap, is he making that leap right before our eyes? He could be. He absolutely could be. There's a lot of guys shooting the ball really well in this bubble. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I don't want to discredit it. Everybody's shooting on the same rim. But you just I want to see it before I declare Jamal Murray here. I do just kind of I just kind of want to see it on a consistent basis. But you have to give the guy his props. He is playing incredibly well right now. Jamal Murray last night, 28 points, 12 assists, 8 rebounds, 2 steals. He goes 4 of 8 from 3, 4 of 7 at the line, 10 of 17 shooting. So all those percentages are absolutely great. In this playoffs, he has been wonderful, obviously. Four games or more of 40-plus. Two games or more of 50-plus. We all saw the highlights. We all saw it. It was super exciting. Jamal Murray's been really good. Jokic, 22 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. A lot of talk about him being the best passing center. Maybe one of the best passers in the league. Maybe one of the best passing bigs ever. Trying to think of any guys that I remember that kind of really passed the ball the way he does from the beginning. And it's hard to think of any. He's very good. He's very good. Last night, hitting some really tough contested jumpers over Anthony Davis. None you can do. He just throws up those rainbows up there. None you can do. The guy's, the guy's a baller. I mean, there's just nothing you can do about it. Dwight Howard has been effective here and there. I thought Dwight Howard's getting a little carried away, being a little extra. I texted that to Anton last night. Seemed like in the first half and in the last game, just a little bit extra. I mean, I I understand he's trying to get under his skin and kind of bother him any way that he can, but eh, it's just a little extra. I mean, some of these fouls that he's committing are just, you don't need those. You have the six to give. That's one of the reasons you're out there. Same thing with JaVale McGee. You're out there to give fouls. I mean, that's kind of what you're there for. Save him from Anthony Davis. Save his energy from having to guard Jokic. I get it. But man, some of these are just extra. It's just extra. Tone that down a little bit. You can still bring that energy without some of these dumb fouls. Some of the stuff that he's doing. You can still bring that energy. You can still be effective in bothering Jokic. You can do all of that. You can do all that. One of the things I noticed in this game, this is huge, the Lakers. And part of this is because of maybe Anthony Davis is only having, you know, two rebounds. But Dwight Howard, one rebound in 14 minutes. That's not good. You can't you can't do that. JaVale McGee, one rebound. He only played eight minutes. Kuzma, one rebound in 26 minutes. Whew. Man. 
It's a whole lot of not rebounding. 25 total team rebounds for the Lakers. You put that up against the 44. The 44 for the Nuggets, nine of those were offensive. That's a lot of second chances. The Lakers with only four offensive rebounds, that's where their advantage should be in this series. They should be able to clean up the glass. That should be where their advantage lies. And last night, they did not do that. They also just shot the ball really poorly. Six of 26 from three. Six? Six? Six threes? Hmm. Nuggets go 11 to 29. 23 of 29 at the line for the Nuggets. 14 of 22 for the Lakers. We all knew that. We knew, we knew, we knew that the Lakers' weakness, one of them, was free throw shooting. LeBron only shoots two free throws. That's how you know that LeBron is being passive. To me, that's what stands out to me. LeBron James, as big and strong as he is, can get to the basket whenever he wants. Two free throws? Two free throws? Mmm. That sounds passive. He only took four threes, 23 shots for LeBron on 14 makes. So, I don't know. It just looked like a game that the Lakers didn't really care to win until late in the fourth quarter. And by then, they had to use all their energy just to get back in the game. And the Nuggets responded like a good team would do. The Nuggets are good, everyone. The Nuggets are good. We don't have to keep talking about the Nuggets like it's some story, some some Cinderella story. Just because they've come back from 3-1 in these series, that shouldn't make us forget that they were actually a good team. They were the three seed. They had a 46-27 record. That's good. They were going to win 50-plus if we had a regular normal season. They're a good team. They were a good team last year. So, if you're the Lakers, you're not good enough to sleepwalk through games against good teams. Not when you have weapons like Murray and Jokic. Big performance out of Jeremy Grant. 26 points. He was very active. 10 to 12 from the free throw line. Hit a couple threes. I mean, they're good. They got good players. Millsap. Some big plays late. So, if you're the Lakers, I think you just got to look at this game like we didn't bring the energy. But you got to remember, this is very close to being Nuggets 2-1 right now. If Anthony Davis doesn't hit that shot, I know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, you can't take it back. It is what happened. But let's say that ball doesn't go in. You could be 2-1. But you also have to remember, if if the Lakers lose game two, and it is 1-1 at that time, maybe they don't come out so lax last night. Maybe they win last night. Maybe we're sitting in the same spot at 2-1. There's no way to really quantify that. There's no way to quantify that. But for this being a 2-1 series, it's been close. Lakers get a nice, solid win in game one. Nuggets get a pretty solid win here. Win by eight. Felt like more. And then you had one close, really close game in game two. So it's been a pretty even series so far. Maybe we'll see six. I didn't think we would. I thought five, six maybe. Maybe we get seven. I wouldn't be mad at that. I absolutely would not be mad at that. Give me more games. When this is over... It's over, and then we just got football, and I mean, I love football, and I'll get into football, and I'll be excited to get into football, but this has been a lot of fun. 
These NBA playoffs, you've had games almost every day on TV. You got you got multiple games in those early rounds every day. These series are going every other day. We just had a break with the with the Heat and the Celtics, but before that, you're getting day, games every other day. I mean, this is wonderful. This has been exciting. There's been intrigue. There's been exciting finishes, huge performances. We have stars coming out right before our eyes. You have the the old timers still hanging on and LeBron James and Rondo and some of these guys. And you got some young players that are starting to really make a name for themselves on the national stage. So the more games, the better. I don't necessarily want that in the Heat Celtics series just for my blood pressure. I'd like if the Heat can kind of finish this thing off as quickly as possible. But in terms of the sports being healthy and everybody being entertained, I mean, if the more games, the more intrigue, the better. So I'm all for <laughs> six or seven games. I know Anton doesn't feel the same in terms of this Lakers Nuggets series, but I'll take it. I'll take all the games I can get. So let's take a quick break. We're done talking Lakers Nuggets. We'll be excited for game four. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about some things that I saw in game three. Haven't had a chance to address that in terms of Heat Celtics. And then I'm going to look forward a little bit to tonight's game four. Very pivotal game four. And what I think the keys are for the Heat and in this game in general. So let's take a quick quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Before we talk Celtics Heat Game 4, there's been some some news around the NBA. Billy Donovan hired to be the Bulls coach. I believe that news came out yesterday. It's probably a good hire for the Bulls. I would believe Donovan, by all accounts, seems to be a good coach. Obviously a good coach in college at Florida. Had a good little run here with the Thunder, especially this year. They weren't expected to do anything, and they were quite successful, I would say, given the roster that they had. That has to do something with coaching. So probably a good hire for the Bulls. We'll see what happens. That should be an exciting place to play for players, but you got to have the right people in the right positions to make that enticing. I'm not sure ownership is doing everything it can. That seems to probably be part of the problem, but it'll be interesting to see how that works out moving forward. Also, Another thing that I thought was interesting, the G League is, their NBA is planning on having possibly a G League tournament in the fall that would include the G League select team. And this G League select team is made up of all the players that have decided to skip college or Europe or wherever and just go straight into the G League. A lot of top-ranked recruits, Jalen Green, uh, Kaminga, Jonathan Kaminga, some of the top guys. Um, so it mentioned it's interesting to see how they play against grown men. This is where we get into the discussion. I remember in 14-15 when Kentucky started the year 38-0, lost in the Final Four to Wisconsin. That team had Carl Towns, Devin Booker. They were very tall. Willie Cauley-Stein had a lot of height. A lot of the talk of that year was could Kentucky beat or compete with the worst NBA team? And I believe that year was the Philadelphia 76ers. Part of the reason for this discussion was one of the big talking points around college basketball that year was how big Kentucky was. They were so long all over the court. That was the year they did the platoon system. The shortest guy, obviously, was Tyler Ulis. He was 5'9", but everybody else, the Harrison Twins, they were your guards on that first unit. Everybody was 6'5 and above on that team. 
aside from Tyler Ewis. They had so much length. They would have been the second tallest NBA team if you could transport their size to an NBA roster. So that's where the discussion came around. But I always thought it was kind of ridiculous. Maybe then that team would have been able to compete. Maybe. Chances are they're probably getting blown out. The worst NBA team is going to blow out any team in college. I'm sorry. So for all of you people wondering, could that ever happen? This is going to be the closest thing we could really get to seeing that. We, you're not going to get to see this G League select team with any experience, but in terms of top fight talent that should be in college, they should all be freshmen this coming year. It'd be kind of like, you know, Duke or Kentucky, really just those two schools, the two schools that are bringing in multiple five stars. Their rosters are mostly comprised of five star McDonald's All-America type recruits. That's when you're going to get to see those kids play against grown men with this G League select team. And that's just the G League. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. I'm interested to see how they fare against G League teams because these are grown men. Are they going to be able to compete with those teams? I would be very intrigued to watch something like this. So that was interesting to me. That's enough of that. Let's get into Celtics Heat. Okay, so game three, we didn't have a chance to talk about that. Celtics obviously bring this series closer at 2-1. They win that game 117-106, okay? They did a lot of things good in that game. They did a lot of things very well. Gordon Hayward comes back. I think his presence has been a little overstated, but he did give them some depth there, some depth that they were probably missing, and it gives them another shooter. He only had six points, made one three. Did have five rebounds and four assists, three steals, one block. There's an impact there. I think it's overstated. He played 31 minutes, which is more than they wanted, but they knew they had this three days of rest coming, so they utilized it. But, yeah, it does, I think, moving forward in this series, the more he gets his feet wet, I think he can have an even bigger impact, but it was obviously nice for him to get, nice for the Celtics to get him back, just to, if anything, add a little bit of depth, okay? So, That'll be something to be looking for moving forward. But in that particular game, there's been a lot made about how the Celtics came out with a ton more energy, and that's true. They seemed like they wanted this game more. It seemed like it was more important to them. And, you know, theoretically, I guess you could say that's true. You can't go down 3-0. They had to have game three. With the Miami Heat leading 2-0, you have to have game three. So it's do or die for them. So you know it's going to be hard to top that energy. You're playing a good team. The Celtics are good. Talent-wise, throughout their roster, they may be better. You can make the argument. But you have two pretty evenly matched teams, two very well-coached teams. This thing wasn't going to go 4-0. This thing wasn't going to go 3-1, 4-1. I mean, come on. The Celtics had to have it, and they took it. They had to have it, and they took it. Jason Tatum, 25 points. Kimball Walker, 21 points. He had a much better game. 20 from Marcus Smart. Didn't have the three-point shooting barrage, but he did finish out strong. 10 of 10 free throws. Most of those were later in the game. Jalen Brown, huge game. 26 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Liked his game. Tatum had 14 rebounds and 8 assists as well to go with his 25 points, so almost a triple-double there. He He was very effective in that game. Very effective. They kind of got what they wanted. Enos Cantor was able to come in and spell, give a little, you know, give some minutes here. I thought Grant Williams had a nice impact. He had five points, did make a nice corner three. 
But this was more to me about what Miami did not do. And everybody's making these things about, well, what are, mm, the Celtics attacked the zone much better. Yeah, I mean, they did. They did. They had a different strategy for attacking the zone. And a lot of it was off of a swing pass to either side, ripping through, and just taking the ball as hard as they could, straight line drive to the basket. And they were either getting buckets, getting fouls, creating opportunities for offensive rebounds. That was a different strategy. They attacked it differently that way. They also had advantages down low because the Heat are so, you know, willing to have Bam switch on to Kimba Walker, which, by the way, if we're talking about the best defensive players in the league, if you're not throwing Bam's name in the hat, I'm not sure what you're watching. There is literally no other player in the league that can guard one through five. There's no other player that's going to step out and dance around with Kimba Walker. He keeps him right in front. There's there's no other player that can do that. Bam's impact has been absolutely incredible. Just absolutely incredible. You can't even you can't even say it or quantify it enough. We're gonna try. Everyone's gonna try. But it's been absolutely amazing. But because of their willingness to let him switch out onto Walker on the perimeter, it's creating some size mismatches down low. Duncan Robinson's getting abused defensively. And he's not the only one. But He's having a hard time defending without fouling. But all of that is just to say there was one big glaring thing that the Heat had to do. It was make shots. They just didn't do it. Adebayo, 27 points, 16 rebounds, 3 steals, 1 assist, 2 blocks. 10 of 14 shooting. 7 of 9 at the free throw line. Adebayo was fantastic. Who else was fantastic? Tyler Hero, 22 points, 4 assists, 1 steal, 3 rebounds. Not scared of the moment. There was a time there in the second quarter he went on a nice little run. I believe he scored 16 points in the second quarter. That's insane. That's insane for a rookie to be doing that. And it was keeping them close. If the Celtics don't go on a run right after that, we might be talking about that more. But we're not. Because the Celtics really dominated this whole game until the end. The Heat, kind of like the Lakers game last night, made a run, made it a little closer, but they just weren't able to finish it out. Celtics took care of business, made their free throws, and that was that. But other than Adebayo and Hero, no one else you could really say had a good game. It was nice to see Duncan Robinson make some threes. Again, he was 4 of 8 from three-point land, finished with 13 points. But other than that, another big storyline, Jimmy Butler being too passive, okay? I am a person who's going to praise him for being unselfish, getting everybody involved, not caring about his shots, not caring if he gets, you know, has seven shots through three quarters like he did in game two. That's what all the talk was about, how amazing it is for Jimmy to do that. And then just kind of taking over in the fourth quarter when he needs to. But there's times when you got to take over before the fourth quarter. You can't let games get away from you like this. You need your star player to go get you some buckets. Stop the bleeding. And Jimmy Butler did not do that. I love Jimmy Butler as a player. I love his unselfishness, his toughness, all of that. None of that changed. But this was a game I would imagine he might agree with you. 
if you told him, man, we need you to go get us a bucket earlier. We can't be waiting for the fourth quarter all the time. It's it's interesting to see how that can then backfire on you. So that's what happened. If it happens, I'm not looking. I don't necessarily need. You know, a lot of people said we. You know, the way for them to win this next game four is to have Jimmy Butler come out and be super aggressive. I don't. I don't necessarily think that's true. I don't. I don't see why that would be true. They didn't need him to do that in the first two wins. Why? Why did they need him to do that now? Yes, if you get down early, sure. Yeah, you need him to go get you some buckets, but. Those first two games, they didn't need aggressive Jimmy through the first three quarters. They didn't need that. They can win without that. That's not what lost in this game necessarily. What lost in this game is shooting. They shot 12 of 44 from three. That's 27%. They shot 33 of 85 overall. That's 38%. Goran Dragic, Jay Crowder, and Kelly Olynyk combined to go three of 19 from three. That can't happen. I mean, that just, you're not going to win that way. You can't win games against a team like the Celtics, who has their back against the wall, must win game, and you come out and you have those three guys shooting three of 19. You go 27% on the game at 12 of 44. You're not going to win that game. The fact that they were even able to make it close at the end says a lot about the team and how they just won't give up, how they have that fight, and you love that. But they were not going to win that game. They just weren't. So looking forward to tonight's game, this should feel just as impactful for the Heat as it does the Celtics. You don't want this to go back to 2 You don't want momentum for the Celtics. You want to win this series? Miami, you want to go to the finals? Here's your chance. This game tonight will do it. You go up 3-1 in this series... You take control of it. You hold on to that momentum you had when you were 2-0. For a team like the Heat that's so tough-minded and so competitive, the fact that they didn't play with great energy that game has to be biting at them. This three-game break is probably the best thing that could happen to them, not for rest, but to just have to sit there and stew about how lackadaisical they looked at times. That's good for this team. I expect to come out tonight and come out and see a different Miami Heat team. A team that's going to go take this game. They can't get down early. They cannot rely on being able to come back in these games like they did in the first two games. You can't do that all the time. Not against a team that's as well coached and has as much talent as the Boston Celtics. You have to respect your opponent, and they do. I'm not saying they don't. But this game is pivotal. This is the game. 3-1 or 2-2. You want to play seven games? You want to play five or six? Let's get out of here. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. Put your foot on the gas and get going. I need to see Jimmy Butler have a better game. That doesn't mean being overly aggressive. I don't want overly aggressive, Jimmy. I don't want taking, you know, charges and turnovers because he's driving into no man's land throwing up tough contested shots if you're not able to draw fouls but Jimmy Butler shoots more free throws than almost anybody in the league and he only shot six in game three you'd like that to change you'd like more free throws for Jimmy you'd like to see Jimmy when he drives not kicking it out 
sometimes he drives so close to the basket where it's like, dude, you just got to go up with that. You're being too unselfish here. You get that close, you take that shot. You don't need to dump it off. And I got to say one thing about Kelly Olynyk. I like Kelly Olynyk. I love the energy he brings. I love the fact that he led the team in charges taken. I love all of that. But Kelly Olynyk, you don't need to be shooting off-balance three-pointers with 22, you know, not 22, 18 seconds on shot clock. I saw actually 22. Yeah, they got one offensive rebound in game three. Kelly Olynyk ends up with the ball. Tyler Hero, offensive rebound. Kicks it out to Olenek. Olenek off-balance three from the corner. Brick. Paint chipper. He's chipping paint off the rim. With 22, you you don't need a Kelly Olenek off-balance three from the corner with 22 seconds on the shot clock. I'm sorry. You don't need that. That's not a good shot. Under any circumstances. Kelly Olenek, you want to step into some open ones? Fine. Pull them. That's what you're out there for. He can get hot. Kelly Olenek, we've seen it. He can get hot. He can get going. But man, we don't need you shooting threes with 22 seconds left on the shot clock. This is not a good shot. It's not. There's got to be time to find a better, a better look. Okay. So that's the key for me. I need Jimmy Butler to have a better, more balanced game. Not necessarily overly aggressive, but just a more balanced impact on the game through four quarters. Dragic was bound to have a game. He's had an incredible run in these playoffs. For him to have 11 points, 5 assists, go 1 to 5, 2 to 10 overall shooting, that's, you know, whatever. He's gonna he's allowed that game, okay? He's been carrying this team. I'm not mad at Dragic for that. He was just bound to have one of those games. Jay Crowder's been incredible. He's been incredible. He was active defensively. He just wasn't making shots. 2 to 10 from threes, like we said. I need that to be a little bit better, obviously. And Kelly Olenek, if you're going to have the shots, you better make them. Not all of them, but if you're going to take those quick ones, you better make that damn shot. I'm fine with you stepping into open ones and missing those. Those are good shots. You're shooting open threes. I'm taking those. That's fine. Stop rushing. Stop rushing in the shot clock, okay? Stop shooting off-balance crazy shit from behind the three-point line. Don't need it. So obviously you need those guys to have their typical games if you get typical games out of those guys they probably win game three they didn't play well hero's been playing well you got to expect that's going to continue but you can't count on that from a rookie he gives you a 22 point game you got to feel pretty good about that if everybody else does their job man but that's what you got to see Adebayo is going to do what Adebayo does he's been incredibly consistent in these playoffs and in this series Incredibly consistent, both on the offensive and the defensive end. He's had a huge impact. Nobody like him. Nobody can guard like him. So you need Butler, Crowder, Dragic, Robinson. Man, you got to stop fouling. You got to stop fouling. But I'll take that four of eight from three. I'd like to see more attempts, actually. I'd like to see more than eight shot attempts from him. I'd like to see that. He's going to make those. He's one of the best shooters. He's gone through a cold spell here late. Starting to break out of it a little bit. But you need to see you need to have him keep shooting. Even if he's missing. I mean, there's times though when he's missing shots and he can't play defense. I maybe I mean you don't fit on the court right now. This is not a series for that. 
It's a very tough wing matchup for him with either Brown, Smart, or Tatum, or whoever he's having to guard. It's a very tough matchup for him physically. Those guys are a lot stronger than he is and more explosive. So he's having issues with that. But you got to have him out there for shooting with the spacing that he provides, even just as a threat. His presence on the court is movement. So you need him out there. You need him shooting. Hopefully he just keeps bouncing out of this and kind of stays, stays hot. He's warm right now. Let's hope he gets hot. And then Kendrick Nunn, you can't play, buddy. You're not doing enough. You're, you're uh, to me, a negative on the court. Too much dribbling, not enough making shots. Nothing defensively. I just don't think Kendrick Nunn fits in this series. I'm not sure he fits moving forward. He had a really great regular season. He's had some things not go his way here in the bubble. I understand that, but man, I'm not sure he can play. You kind of have to have minutes from somebody, but I'm just not sure. Not sure about Kendrick Nunn. So that's my keys for the game. Slow down the line drives when Boston's on offense attacking that zone. Bring more energy. And it seems really dumb. It seems so obvious. It's like, hey, thanks for the expert the expert input here. They need to make more shots. Well, yeah, everybody, if they make more shots, they're going to they're gonna probably win. But really, that is what this comes down to. We just said Dragic, Crowder, Olenek, 3 of 19. You go 12 of 44 total as a team from three, you're not going to win those games. You're not going to win games shooting 27% against a team like the Celtics. So the keys tonight, like we've just said, stop the line drives, shoot better. <laughs> that's, that's my expert opinion. Shoot better. It will be fun to watch. I'm super excited. A lot riding on this game. I'll probably check in with you guys tomorrow for a little bit shorter episode just covering this game. Maybe talk a little baseball or do something. But I hope you all will be tuning into this game tonight. Give this show a quick listen before the game. Hope you guys enjoyed it, getting you ready for the game tonight. Thank you for joining me. As always, the balls do roll, bounce, and fly, but they damn sure don't lie. And neither do I, and neither does that Anton guy. Later, dudes.